sometimes the best way to increase your sales is just to help people and ask for absolutely nothing. You know, and if you do that enough times, it, it just comes back around eventually. Some, somebody thinks about you and has a need for something and they reach out to you. back to another episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. Today, we are talking to none other than Scott Lees, the surfer, the sales guy, the man, the myth, the legend. Scott, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Scott Lees. I've been growing and scaling sales teams for almost 20 years now. Was a head of sales, VP of sales uh, about a half dozen times. And uh, Nice. Wrote a couple books along the way, started a business called uh, Surf and Sales, uh, started another business called Thursday Night Sales, started another business called GTM United, <laughs> ended up going uh, full-time into my own consulting business. So Love it. I've done a lot of things and uh, yeah, all kind of centered around sales, leadership, solopreneurship, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Which is a hard thing for a lot of people to, to grab onto. And, and I'm, I'm totally like amazed because you and I have been connected for a few years now on LinkedIn. How have you, like a lot of people with COVID really got hit pretty hard with that. Tell us how you transitioned that hit into something that you've been able to launch into now three different ways to help the same community. Well, you know, I, I went full-time into my own consulting business three months before the pandemic hit. <laughs> Perfect timing. So, there was um, a brief moment where I was like, I'm screwed, you know, big time. <laughs> right. But what, what I thought at the time and what I feel like I realized was um, Zoom or, yeah. you know, video calls or whatever. This was going to be like the new television channel. Totally. And if you're a consultant, you are in some essence very similar to like a talking head on Sports Center or, you know, some news channel or whatever. 100%. And so in order to get popularity and get business, you need to get airtime. So I just decided I need to be everywhere all at once. So I started going on every single podcast, every single webinar. I'm talking like five or six per day. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I, I mean, I was hustling so much um, <laughs> that I think it just kind of elevated a lot of the work that I do and elevated my brand a little bit. Um Companies, when the pandemic hit, were suddenly faced with the challenge of growing and scaling in a remote environment. Right. I'm fortunate that I had done that previously. Right. So I had a little bit of knowledge and experience that I could talk about. Um, so I, I actually was able to do quite well, you know, right from the right from the get go. Totally. Um, because of that, it's kind of very fortunate and kind of dumb luck. On, uh, uh, on my end. You know, I would say luck luck comes to those who are putting themselves out there. And so you were definitely putting yourself in the right place to have the quote unquote dumb luck. So way to go, Scott. Honestly, give yourself some credit. You worked your butt off to get that dumb luck. Yeah, appreciate that. You know, I, I also realized in kind of a funny way, like, well, there's no place for everybody to go after work and have a beer and shoot the shit anymore. So right. I, I was kind of early on this notion of micro communities and finding yeah. a place for people to hang out and commune and, and have conversations about career and sales and leadership and all this stuff. Totally. So, you know, I, I, I created this, um, 
virtual sales happy hour called Thursday Night Sales that became a community and yeah. it was the longest running and largest virtual sales happy hour in the world for three plus years. I was part and of it. I, I, I yeah, did yeah. on several of those. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of uh, fed the funnel in terms of consulting. It fed the funnel for my event business, surf and sales. Right. And now that I've shut down Thursday night sales, I, I pivoted into a new community called GTM United. Um, and so, you know, I just, I think as you look at the landscape, you try to see what's going on. You try to be a little bit ahead of the curve. Right. And right. you try to solve for problems that people are having. And right. people were having go-to-market problems. People were having isolation problems. They needed a place to get help and get answers and get coaching and just hang out. Totally. Um, and so I just tried to fill those those gaps and those needs. No, I think it's perfect. I, I mean, truly what you've been able to do has set the tone for what a lot of people are now you know, calling influencer marketing. But building your influence as a sales leader has given you this chance to help not just a few guys on the side, but literally thousands of sales guys have looked to you as a resource for how to do it better. Yeah, well, sometimes that's still mind blowing, you know, to uh, <laughs> to take to take in. But right. you know, you you do the work first of all. You know, yeah. I think it's important to note that I spent over well over a decade just like doing the work, selling, right. building, scaling, you know, acting as an executive, <clears throat> having these kind of outcomes before I really put any time and energy into. The whole notion of like brand building and stuff like that. Totally, totally. But I, <clears throat> but I was building my my network along the way, and then I just decided maybe I should start sharing some of the things that totally work and didn't work. Um, and then the other aspect that I think that I have done well is I've kept myself really accessible. Yeah, you know, I I'm the type of person that responds to every message that I get, right. even if it's from strangers. Um, unless it's like obviously spam. So, you know, if Todd messages me right. out of the blue and is like, Hey, you know, I read your post the other day, or I've been following right. you for a while. I have a couple of questions for you. I'll respond and answer, you totally. know? Um, and so I think I, that part of, part of maybe why people pay attention to some things I say is because they feel like they know me and I've had dialogue and back and forth and I don't right. feel like some unattainable totally. you know, person or, or, or goal or destination. Like anybody can do what I've done. Um, I totally and I've tried agree. to, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to maintain that, you know? No, I think you're doing a great job with it. And, and as I've seen your journey, you know, at least for as long as I've known you, the, the thing that I appreciate about what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out in your own way, how can I have the biggest impact on my people that I can and make money doing it? <laughs> and I appreciate yeah. that so much because I think a lot of people go out there with these passion plays of like, hey, I want to just give back. I want to give back. But it's stupid to get you can't give back enough if you're not turning it into a profit center for you. And so as I've seen you evolve in your community building and in what you've been doing on your consulting business, stuff like that. All the respect in the world for what you've done. How do you feel like this new launch of GTM is going to contribute to that? Because it is a business and, and you have to make money. So 
What did you feel like you needed to change from Thursday night sales into GTM to kind of convert this into A, bigger impact and B, something that you can leverage to grow and scale you yeah. and your influence? Yeah, well, you know, Thursday night sales got to be a challenge from a time commitment standpoint. Yeah. You know, I, I was spending, I spent every Thursday night basically for three years from <laughs> right. 7 to 9 p.m., um, you know, answering questions and interacting and giving back. Right. And I just can't do it. And my kids got older, they have practices, they have games, totally. they have school events. And I'm just like, this is not really working. Right. And if you couple that with the change in the economy, um, primarily all the revenue from Thursday night sales was driven by sponsors. Right. Well, sponsorship revenue dried up quite a bit yeah. this year. Yeah. So, uh, and then the third piece would be, um, Everybody wants stuff for free, right? For <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but you also get people who kind of float in and float out when things are free and they're not super serious about totally. making changes. And suddenly when you make people pay for something, they're a little more serious. The level of commitment is upped. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I need to get away from the evenings so I can rebuild a community, which I've already done a few times. Right. I can host events. Uh, and trainings and stuff like that during regular work hours that are, totally. are better suited for my schedule. Totally. I can charge a annual fee, not, not an absurd amount. I'm not trying to price people out, but you know, right. it creates ARR for myself. Right. Right. Uh, and the people who are there, I know are serious about learning and growing and, and getting better and that type of totally. thing. And so all it's all trying to figure out ways to, provide some sort of like mentorship at scale and right. kind of guide and impact as many people as possible. Right. right? But I'm not a philanthropist <laughs> to your point. Yeah. Right. I mean, I need to make money and get paid along the way. And, and so it's just me tinkering and tweaking with different right. models and different businesses and, and communities. This is all started for me, like in 2017 when I launched surf and sales. Totally. So this is six, seven years I've been, you know, reshaping and, and yep. playing with different communities and stuff. And now, you know, with GTM United, um, in addition to the, the regular kind of community stuff and trainings and events we have going on, what we've done is we've built a product inside of it called GTM Assist. Cool. And what it is, is essentially a massive referral network. Cool. Because um, it's my belief that traditional go-to-market is dying and the yeah. phone doesn't work as good anymore. The email doesn't work as good. DMs on LinkedIn right. don't work the way that they used to. Right. So what are you going to do? How are you going to get a hold of people and create opportunities and book meetings soon? Well, it's my belief that the only way you'll be able to do it is through referrals and partners and customer-led growth and community-led growth, right? I totally agree. So I've got this program in play now where everybody in my community... Um, works through me with all these different vendors who are looking to get introductions to folks. Right. And when we make those introductions, if any of those become deals, we get paid a particular amount and the community member and myself split the commission. That so we've, right. I've kind of got this like win, 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 yeah. uh, you know, set up here where people inside the community, not only will be learning, but they have the opportunity to, uh, earn money. That's awesome. And, We've sort of mobilized the community as this uh, cost-free global SDR group 
right? <laughs> I uh, love it for all of our for all of our different vendor partners. So I love that's it. Uh, that's a big part of 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 the plan right now in our in our focus. Very cool. No, I think it's very cool. That's a very cool evolution for you, and uh, it's got to be painful as a guy who's made his whole career on selling stuff to have a program running that wasn't selling stuff. <laughs> You're giving yeah. it all for free. That had to have been like internally kind of a conflict. You know what I mean? A little bit, but you know, um, sometimes the best way to increase your sales is just to help people and ask for absolutely nothing. Right. You know, right. and if you do that enough times, um, it, it just comes back around eventually. Some somebody thinks about you and has a right. need for something, and they reach out to you, right? Totally. Um, no, I, you know, I. You have to be. You have to be flexible. I have to recognize, as do you and everybody else. Right. The way we do business today is not the same as five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. No. And so I'm constantly trying to think about what's next. Yeah. It's not that things don't work at all right now. Right. It's that it's undeniable that they don't work as well as they did before. Well, so and they just work differently. They just work. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode, but I also want to take just a few seconds to let you know about a project that we've been putting together for the last several months, and we're finally launching it called the Captain's Council. You see, as a CEO or operator of a business, it can feel like you get stuck in your own head a lot of the time. You get challenges that you don't know how to resolve. You get people causing problems in your leadership team that you don't know how to resolve. And it's so hard to overcome those things by yourself. You don't have to anymore. Join the Captain's Council. Captain's Council is a group of other CEOs and operators and owners of businesses where we come together once a month for several hours to discuss the biggest challenges you're facing. You express to the council of eight to 10 people about what's going on. Where do you feel stuck? And these other people are in the same boat as you. They're running and operating their own businesses. They're your peers. They help you kind of dissect what's happening and help you see things that you may not have seen all by yourself. If you don't have a good, strong network of people around you, come join the Captain's Council. This is gonna be something that will change the way you run your business and open your eyes to opportunities that you have never seen without the help of your peer group. Come check it out, captainscouncil.com. Differently, you know, and, and there's there's just a different set of levers. And, and I think that I totally agree with you in the fact that, you know, email is less effective, a phone call is less effective, even the DMing is less effective, still effective in their own right. But I think that this move to social selling and, and moving to, um, gaining trust and getting credibility and people referring things is kind of the world we're living in right now. Like you can just get so much better contact with better people through leveraging relationships than I think anything out there. So I think you're totally yeah. on track. Yes. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's network led growth. Yeah. Network -led That's where growth. Yep. I totally agree. Now in this, in this whole conversation, you know, we've talked about, who you like to serve and what you like to, how you've chosen to do it. Talk to us about that growth journey though. I mean, you know, in particular, some of the things you've had going for a while, like your surf and sales sessions. I, I remember talking to you three years ago about your surf and sales and 
you were telling me how it's evolved to that point. How has how have things like that kept evolving, and and how are you turning that into a more uh, a better delivery tool to to give what you're trying to give to people? Well, I've certainly dialed in the <clears throat> the format and structure of those events. Right. So they're very turnkey and seamless at this point in time. Love it's like, it. I know exactly who we're using for all of these different things. I know what our schedule should look like. I know the right amount of content per day balanced with the right amount of R&R. Right. Um, We've branched out. And this year, we're hosting the first ever Surf and Sales alumni only event. So only (laughs) people who have gone before are able to come to this particular one. That's awesome. Um, I branched out and ran a golf and sales event, which is just a spinoff of Surf and Sales, but with golf instead. Darn straight. Uh, and it was domestic, domestic instead of international. Yeah. Um, we spun out the Surf and Sales podcast out of Surf cool. and Sales. Uh, sold, you know, got got acquired into the HubSpot podcast network. Did you really? Uh, so yeah. So the number Jealous. of downloads of our our podcast is starting to uh, to increase and, and go up. And nice. You know, there might be there might be a time soon where we're actually starting to really profit from the podcast itself. Good for um, you. And you know, the, the word of mouth um, about the events has just, uh, you know, continued to increase and grow. And and that obviously makes things like selling tickets a little bit easier. 100%, 100%. When you've got an engaged community, it's easier to, to, to point them into other ancillary products that you've got that are going to continue to help them, right? Yeah. Yeah. How does that- and, and that's, and, and, and they all, they're all like a, uh, a lead magnet for each other. Totally. Right. You think about um, doing the work, which I did yeah. for a long time. Okay? Yeah. Well, that brings people my way because I've worked with people or, and those people told somebody else that I know what sure. I'm doing. So sure. then I double down on my brand and I start talking about the things that I, <clears throat> that I have done and more people hear about me. That brings me consulting clients. Yeah. From consulting clients, I can get some of them to go to events. From right. events, I can get people to join communities. And now it goes the opposite way as well. It flows the other way. People read my content, then they check out yeah. the community, then they go to an event, and then down the road, they're like, you know what? I need to scale a sales org. I don't know how to do it. Me. Let me yeah. hire Scott. So they all kind of serve as lead, lead magnets for each other, right? How, how do you feel, Scott, as you work with your consulting clients and some of these bigger companies, bigger brands, how do you feel like this model can adapt and and have you adapted this type of model into these companies? Yeah, it's it's something that I've been leaning into heavily for the last four or five months Good. for the for the better part of this year. Good. Um, and you know, prior to that, I didn't really spend much time with clients building out referral processes and channels sure. and and uh, and and just like partner programs and things like that. And now it's a huge part of what I'm talking about. Right? I think it should be. I honestly, and I've I, had some other, I've had some other guests on who have, you know, shared their their witness with me that like affiliate and partner programs are the way that they're growing right now, and it totally aligns with everything you've been talking about for your brand. I think bigger brands, and some of these guys are, you know, nine, ten digit companies that are like, dude, we had no idea how much we were missing in trying to produce content and, and align ourselves with the people that are going to refer business to us. 
I think it's I think it's perfect what you're doing. I I encourage you to lean into it hard. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm leaning in as much as I can while still doing the other things that I'm <clears throat> that I'm doing. But it's totally. catching fire a little bit. There's more people starting to talk about this. Um, the community has has only been live for <clears throat> excuse me, community's only been live for about two months. Yeah, We've got a couple hundred people in there. Nice. The actual product of uh, of referring people GTM Assist has only been live for like 10 days. Nice. But in 10 days, we've generated like $5 million, $6 million of pipeline for people. Is that right? Um, yes. The very, first, the very first day that we launched it with one vendor, we unlocked $980,000 of pipeline. What? Um, and we were just like, Shut okay, up. Uh, thesis, <laughs> thesis confirmed, right? And so... <laughs> Now these deals are going to have to go through a process sure. before they before they close. Right. But you know the confidence is there that um, that this is going to lead directly to revenue for these vendors. That's going to lead to commission payout for us at GTM United and, and then directly to individual people in the community. Right, and Love these it. are not like you know four hundred dollar commission checks. It's like. You know, I, I, I did a deal. I'm, I'm waiting on a $31,000 referral check right now. Right. And if you were in the community and you had unlocked that, I would be splitting that 31 grand. With you. You'd be getting $15,000, $16,000 simply for introducing me to the right person. Right. It's not right. a bad gig if you can get it, right? It's not a bad gig. And I think after you let the first couple dominoes fall, it's just going to lead to this massive migration of people going, dude, Scott's got a network I want in on, <laughs> which is yeah. awesome. I hope so. I mean, that's that's the goal. The more people that join the community, the more powerful this product can become. And as a member of the community, you can earn by helping everybody else. Right. And you can submit your own accounts if you're right. working W2 for someplace and you could get your own deals closed uh, totally. as well. So. Like I was saying, it really feels like a, a win-win for everybody. And, and for, for companies, there's no risk. Costs you nothing right. unless a deal closes. Nothing. Right. right. So what do you want to do? You want to hire 10 SDRs at 60K a piece? Or would you like to mobilize a couple hundred people who can act as SDRs at no cost? And bring the deals in. <laughs> Seems like it. an obvious uh, obvious decision. So you know, it's a little bit controversial, but I'm sort of thinking about it and talking about it in a way that maybe this is the end for SDRs, you know? You know, I, I think that, I think it's just reshaping what they're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think SDRs to your point may become a little bit more independent contractors and just bringing deals to people through their network. And so right. I, I think I can see that happening pretty quickly. In fact, I know a few people that are doing that right now who've had a great yeah. career uh, doing, you know, working their roles and, as an SDR, BDR, things like that. But then jumping into this, like, holy crap, if I'm an independent contractor and I've got to deal with these guys and I just bring the deal, that's, that's money for me. So I, I see that as, a, as, as an evolution of the SDR. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, let's hope everybody else does as well. <laughs> well, Scott, in, you know, before we close, I love to talk to sales guys because I'm a marketing guy. And, and, and when we talk about revenue operations, we talk, you know, generally we're talking sales, we're talking product development, we're talking marketing. And, and generally, you know, customer success is their own little leg of that table there. 
how do you feel like the best sales organization fits amongst those four? This is not normally a podcast question, but you as who you are, where do you feel like the sales organization needs to fit within the RevOps of a company? Hmm. And, and I guess in, in addition to that, where do you see the biggest problems as you come in to help people fix their sales ops? Where do you see those oh, biggest goodness. problems are? I mean, you know, people don't use the CRM that they have. They don't use right. half of the tools that they've bought. Right. Um, they've got missing KPIs or, or huge holes no in their data. I mean, I, I might say to somebody that I just start working with, like, tell me about your um, current customer base. Like, what are some of the common, you know, right. denominators here? Like, where are they from? What size companies? This type of thing. People will be like, huh? They just say nothing. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. You know, um, so sales ops, rev ops is just completely neglected. Right. Oftentimes, especially at early stage companies. Right. right. Where from my vantage point, it's the first thing that I hire after I totally. kind of believe that I've hit on something that I can sell. Right. Like I've yeah. always said as a VP of sales, my very first hire was a head of sales ops, not rep, not reps. Not A's. Right. I'll just keep selling. Let me get this RevOps person in here to help me prepare for scale. Right. And so now we've got some things built. We've got, we've got the right data. Okay. I've proven I can sell this. Now it's time to hire a couple of reps. Right. Right. Um, but where do we where do we sit amongst all the other departments? I mean, I'm biased, obviously, coming from a sales <laughs> perspective, but it feels to me like we're the most important spoke in the wheel, frankly. <laughs> you know? It. Well, you're uh, definitely the the, the, the unless you're marketing unless you're marketing so well that people are just buying without talking to somebody, or your product is so incredible that it doesn't require any conversations to be had. That's um, tough. Salespeople are still necessary, even in a PLG company. Totally so, agree. Totally agree. No, I, yeah. I love to hear it. I, I think I think when I look at the whole RevOps of a company, when I'm coming in on a consulting contract, I too look at the same types of things you're looking at, you know, client avatar, which clients do you love, which clients do you hate, you know, all those little things that, that help us identify the real target that they should be going after. But I see that like so many companies get into this realm of like, um, the founder has gotten them to this point and now it's getting just too big that they can't have their fingers everywhere. And so the silos start to form, which is a good thing, but they don't know how to make them work together. And so I love to talk to other people who are like specialists in that silo and just kind of see, you know, how, how do you feel like that relationship should, could work? And, and where do you see those problems when you engage with new companies in those relationships? That's, that's yeah. why I was curious. Well, it should work as seamlessly as possible. Right. And, and everybody should be kind of aligned and talking about these things. And we should look at the flow, especially if it's like we're talking about inbound leads all the way through to, right. you know, upselling somebody. It's like, okay, lead comes in. How did it come in? What's the speed to lead reaching totally. the salesperson? Now, what what is our process to get that person closed? At what point in time is that client being onboarded? And then at what totally. success metric are we reaching back out to them to try to, you know, grow the account? That's right. the ideal way that it should right. be working. 
Totally agree, man. I, I, yeah. I love so much that you came on the show today because I really feel like growth and scaling and what you've been able to accomplish within your business is such a great example of adaptation and how do I better get my company to serve the people I want to serve? Uh, one of the things that I've always respected about you and what you've been building is the fact that you know who your avatar is. You know the type of client you're trying to get. And a lot of companies just don't. And that's what causes a lot of their growth problems is that they they want to serve everybody and they don't know how yeah. to dial it in to that that core group that they want to hit. How do you... Yeah. How did you kind of hit that mark? I mean, how did you know leaving your big corporate gigs? I just want to help more sales guys. What, what was that journey like for you? Well, I realized very early that I got more joy from helping other people close deals than closing yeah. a deal myself. That so funny? that's how I got, that's how I got away from being an individual contributor and got into leadership. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the ICP to me is, was so obvious. It's like what I did as a VP of sales was I took companies from zero to 25 million. Right. So right. when I go to be a consultant, what do I focus on? Well, I fucking focus on what I've done before. <laughs> That's totally. what I focus on. Totally. I don't focus on something I've never done and don't have any experience with. Right. Could right, I do right. it? I don't know. Probably. Probably. That's not the point. The point right. is like, I have done this exact thing so many times. Yeah. This is who I want to work with. And that's it. And you have to be willing to say no to the shiny nickel being dangled in front of you. That's like, hey, Scott, uh, could you help us with this? Right. You could take that money and try to make it work. Right. But if you don't make it work, you might look like a fool in the process. Totally. And then you might have burned your reputation a little bit. Yep. Right. So... And startups make this mistake all the time. I talk to founders all the time, all the time and, and they're and I'm like, okay, who do we sell to? Yeah. And and they'll have like, you know, five customers total so far. And I'm like, who are we gonna sell to? Right. I'm like, well, we could sell to insurance, legal, real estate, bowling alleys. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we gotta narrow this thing way down. Right, 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 right. Let's get real good at one thing before we start trying to sell to two. Totally. Right? Um, oh, totally. I didn't find it complicated. It just felt obvious to me. Like, this is what I know. So this is what I'll teach. That's, that's it. That's awesome. Well, that's a gift, man. And, and for those of you listening, I hope you captured some gold nuggets out of this because what Scott's saying and how he's built what he is building and is continuing to build is exactly what you need to be thinking about. How do I better serve the people I want to serve? How do I better replicate what I'm good at? How do we as a business continue to to pump out good products and services. This is how you do it. Understand who you serve, love what you're doing, and just deliver it in as many ways as you can to make you money because that's why we're all in business. We have to make money to put the message out and help the people we can. Scott, I, I love asking for shout outs. Who's someone in your network who is who has kind of been there for you to stand as that uh, maybe a mentor, influencer, someone that's kind of helped to get to where you're at today? Well, there's been quite a few. There, there's um, the one that goes the farthest back is is a friend of mine named Mike Lindstrom, who was a, a sales trainer uh, for this company I was at when I had my very first sales job ever. Nice. And I had never heard anybody talk the way that he talked and think about things the way that he thought about things. That's awesome. Uh, and I and I just he was very philosophical about it. And I just remember him telling me one day. 
nothing in life means anything other than the meaning we give it. And at the time I was just like, that's wow. powerful. Like mind blown kind of emoji. And people had not talked to me in that way before as right. it pertained to, to business and career and work. Um, and so we, we, we've been in touch for, geez, 20 years, I guess. Now we were That's just awesome. texting uh, earlier this week about an idea that, uh, that he has and maybe we'll, maybe we'll execute on. So cool. Uh, Mike Lindstrom, big shout out to, to Mike. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Scott, I sure appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for taking the time. And for those that haven't done so already, make sure you're connected with Scott. He's pumping out content every day and it's always valuable. Sometimes simple, but sometimes the simple stuff gets you right where you need to be. So Scott, thanks for all your work and dedication to your community. And uh, thanks for everyone listening in today. We'll catch you on the next episode. How did that go? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Scott never fails to deliver and I appreciate his his chill attitude, his amazing intellect. And honestly, I think his, his, the way that he approaches sales is so logistical, so sequential, so perfect in the way that he adapts things. And, and I just love talking to the guy. Every conversation I've ever had, I've walked away thinking that was a great call. This was a great episode. And I hope it gave you some meat into how you can grow and scale your program better than you are right now. If you're growing and scaling your business, you've got to reach out to people like him who are leading sales, leading revenue activities in companies. You got to know, you got to be involved. The other thing I would encourage you is to be part of the communities that you need to be part of. For Scott, he's got an amazing sales community. If you've got sales directors, they should be part of Scott's community. If you as a CEO or founder need community, you should be part of the captain's council. It's a no brainer. We capture the minds of many different founders, many different uh, operators, and we put them into pods where you can work together with your team to grow through problems that you're facing together. So much easier when you have invested partners helping you resolve problems as if they're your board to resolve the issues that you're facing and growing and scaling your organization. Scott's organization, fantastic for sales training, sales leaders, and building new revenue channels. The Captain's Council, it is the place for leaders of organizations to capture that unity, that community that you need, and the feedback you need to be making better decisions in your growth journey in your organization. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to catch up with you on the next episode and share this episode with anyone that you know that needs to hear it. Like, share, subscribe. Help support us so that we can support you. And we thank you for being here.